Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Peter, one of Jesus' top disciples, walked on water, healed the sick, and even raised the dead. Pretty impressive credentials, yet he still had a hard time selling his faith. How do we make Jesus irresistible to those who don't yet know him? Well, I am so glad that you referenced Peter instead of uh, saying Patty did all this. <laughs> okay, wait, did I say Peter? <laughs> uh, fortunately, yes, it was Peter. So um, let's go back, though. Let's don't get, you know, detoured too much here. Let's go back to the original question, because I like the question you asked. I was just getting lost in Peter and Patty. How do you make Jesus irresistible to those who don't yet know him? So as we think about that question, before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, we have been accused of interrogating individuals with questions. Uh, especially when we first get to, to know them. We love uh, just asking good questions. Um, today we are talking about how to make Jesus irresistible and selling your faith, asking the right questions, getting people to be intrigued in, in what you're even talking about. And this topic of selling your faith is an interesting term and a fascinating concept but yet at times, one that we shy away from. It's like we don't want to shove our faith at people. We, we worry that people will see us coming and just want to run. So today we have an opportunity to grill and interrogate a new friend of ours. He's a fabulous sales executive who has a 40-year history in sales, sales management, and sales executive leadership. He turned his passion into a private practice and began coaching organizations so they could achieve their goals. And then something really cool happened. You know, that whisper from God or sometimes that scream um, where basically he was like, Michael, dude, this incredible sales technique is identical to what Christians face every day. How about using this gift I've given you and share it with others? So, all right, I ad-libbed a little bit, but... We have an honor, and we're going to introduce Michael D. Goodman to the show today. Michael, welcome. Well, thank you for having me in today. What a, what a fun opportunity to speak about uh, such an important topic. Well, Michael, you just finished a pilot program that you called Selling Faith. But like we said, that's an interesting concept um, that we want to truly unpack a little bit here, where you combine the selling skills to help the church grow organically and financially. And earlier we just heard Patty's version, which was, you know, a lot of loose, you know, um, <laughs> version of how it must have happened. But we want to really hear it 
from you how it really happened. And, and we want to go back. And as Patty said earlier, we are known for, you know, we've been um, called interrogators because we do love to ask questions. That's why we love radio because we get to ask questions of people. So our first question to you is, let's go back. Did you grow up in a Christian home? You know, I did not. Um, the fact is, my dad was born the son of three generations of Talmudic scholars and um, rabbis in the synagogue in a small town in Poland. When they emigrated to the United States, they obviously had a very strong Jewish faith. So for me, the path to becoming a Christian was maybe longer and more uh, academic than for many people who were fortunate enough to grow up in a Christian home and understand the value of unconditional love through Christ, uh, just because they were there. Okay, that's an interesting journey, an interesting path. When you say, I was trying to uh, dissect all of that, the, the poem, the, the rabbis, the generational thing. Okay, how, how did you transition to that where you were able to kind of break away? Because a lot of times uh, the traditions are, are really have a strong hold, and especially when it's a generational thing. How did you break away from that and discover your own faith? You know, it, it, it was a very... Uh, and to be fair, and perhaps one of the reasons why I'm motivated or driven to go down this path is that I so understand people who struggle with finding the value of, of a Christ-based lifestyle. The, for, for me, to, to break away from the faith was, was difficult because that was my family. That was everything that was important. And uh, there, were, there were relationships and, and business reasons why uh, getting involved in a Christian lifestyle could be very painful and difficult. I had a brother who had done the same thing, and he was excommunicated from the family for a very long period of time. Mm. So on the other hand, um, without getting into a lot of detail, I, I could never quite connect to the Godhead or the, the Spirit of God through the dogma and the the rituals of religion in the Hebrew faith. I just couldn't find it. I couldn't find the connection. And when I got married the first time, I ended up marrying a widow with three kids. Now, you don't tell three kids aged four to 12 that we're not doing Christmas anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so the capacity to maintain a Jewish faith, my family always presumed that whenever I married a woman, she probably wouldn't be Jewish, but she would uh, convert to Judaism. Mm-hmm. But I married four people, and that wasn't going to happen. And so we wanted a spiritual background for him, we started going to a church uh, in Arizona here called Central Christian Church, and the pastor kept talking about very important lifestyle things, how people work and why, and he kept mentioning this Jesus guy along the way, as you would expect him to, but it caused me to think, who is this Jesus guy and what does he mean in my life? And so I, so I went and asked him, and he didn't give me an answer. He was very much like, I don't know, radio interviewers who only ask questions. And he, and he said, do you believe that there is a creator of all things? And, of course, that was very consistent with my background. And I said, sure. And do you believe that that, that creator of all things would want to communicate with his creation? And I thought a moment. And that made sense. And so I said, sure. And then he said, well, read this book. Start at this chapter called Matthew. I was not smart enough to understand that that was the beginning of the New Testament. And he said, read through to the end. And when you get to the end, you'll have an answer. But if you don't have an answer, then start here at the beginning, Genesis, and read then to where you had originally started. 
And I, I, I wasn't smart enough to pick it up in the New Testament. The, the reality is, because I grew up Jewish and I lived with all these people that I used to call Jesus freaks in my early days, that these people would come along and try and sell me on their faith but not realize where I was coming from, used the Bible as almost a cudgel or a weapon to prove their point. But I, the Bible was not my basis of faith. It was theirs. And so they were using something that had no meaning or value to me. And, and they couldn't relate to where I was. And so I, I thought of the Bible as, as minimal for the value of understanding faith. So there I was reading it through. And in the New Testament, I couldn't get it. But when I went to the Old Testament, which were the stories I had grown up on, Genesis and, 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 and Moses, and when I got to Deuteronomy, it came together and I got it. This is the God that they were talking about. This is the Savior that they were talking about. All the old guys of the Old Testament, this is who they meant. And there was enough support. There was enough information there that I could say, oh, I can accept this now. And that's how I got there. Uh, it, was, it, it was difficult, and, and I struggled with my family for a very long time to explain it, to, to even tell them about it. But once I was there, um, even though I knew I was milk toast, I was, I was a brand new newbie neophyte baby Christian, I knew that if I stuck with it, I would find out everything I needed to support the decision I'd just made. Wow. Okay, Michael, we're, we're letting that just saturate. Um, what then was your, was your next step? So first of all, how long ago was that? And then when did you feel God just kind of whispering your, in your ear to go forward in, in selling your faith in the same way that you were um, selling other items and helping others out in, in selling you know, for their organization? You know, there there are probably some keystone moments along the way. Um, uh, that same wife that I was married to and going to church with, and um, and building faith with, we were on vacation, and and there was a moment that was very difficult. We were in Durango, Colorado. Uh, there was a huge thunderstorm that was occurring, and I was under a tree, and and trying to reconcile with God why so many bad things were happening to me at one point. And I had a long conversation, and at that point, he said, you're called to do something. It, give me a second. He said, you're called to do something, and I can't tell you what it is, but I need you to be my warrior. I said, okay. And I, um, I had to step forward in faith with a lot of secular issues happening, and I um, dealt with them and, and moved forward, but I still didn't know what it was. It wasn't until many, many years later that I began building. In fact, it was when I launched the, the practice, the private practice for sales, that I had come to the realization that whatever I had learned all of my life, however I had developed my life along the way, it was all to be in a position to be in private practice selling people and that that was what was my purpose for him. And, and and so that that conversation with God under a tree would have been in the 80s. I, my my time when I became a Christian would have been about the same time, but they were not the same moments. Uh, I was in a I was in a room filled with people. It was in a, a sales meeting where there were lots of people screaming about going to Acapulco because that was what you would want if you were the top producer in the organization. And I kind of zoned out. And God had come to me. It, it said to me, I heard this voice clear in my head, and it says, "It's okay to believe in me now." And, and going from Judaism to Christianity. 
God, God saying it's okay to believe in me now came with a lot of these effervescent bubbles of awareness in understanding the difference between a triune God and a, and a single God, which is what Judaism is about, and a number of the other issues. And, and, and so um, that's, that was the genesis, or that was a start for me. The understanding of using sales was really something that came along um, several, uh, several, maybe in the last year or so. Well, Michael, we're going to stop right there. This is such a great story and so how God works so personal in each one of our lives and takes our background and he just kind of guides us and moves us in the direction and uses us. And you say, when done right, sales is the most fun of any career choice and the most lucrative. When done poorly, it can be the worst nightmare. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our guest, Michael D. Goodman. is Girlfriend on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mobby to Mogul radio show, empowering women to build a successful business, invites you to join her on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the ripe age of five, she was already interpreting information in documents and instructions on forms for her immigrant parents. Now, through her experience and those of her guests, she provides you with valuable steps to empower you to reach financial independence. Martha A. Sanchez is a registered nurse with a Bachelor in Nursing and Master's of Business administration. She's a business coach, speaker, author, and CEO of Moss International, LLC. Her diverse work experience brings you expertise in areas essential to customer service, social media, and budgeting. The Mommy to Mogul radio show furthers her personal mission of empowering women to help them build successful businesses so they can reach financial independence. Join Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul radio show, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. To our show today, we are back with Michael D. Goodman, who has significant experience in sales, Salesforce development, sales management, and executive sales strategy development. 
Uh, Michael is proficient in training, coaching, mentoring, recruiting, accountability, and the list goes on. But what we really want to talk about today is how he has recently created Selling Faith, which takes the Solomon Cell system that he has also created and applies these strategies to evangelism. Well, Michael, you were telling us just your background story of how you really felt that nudge from God in moving forward. And so you created this new system, um, which you actually call it Selling Faith. And you say that the end result is taking out the myths and the mystery of religion and replacing it with relationships that empowers people here in this lifetime. Can you explain this in, in more detail? The Yeah, I can. And, and I, I'm going to uh, organize my thoughts for just a second. And I hope we can get lots of good meat on the table for the listeners. The, 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 so many of us have this sense that we are judged not good enough by, by Christians or that the church's purpose is to beat us up for not behaving ourselves or, or some such. Uh, there's a lot of myth to what Christianity is, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and, I, and I'll share this with you. I, I had a crazy thought. What, what is, what are, if people were designed like computers, if we created computers in our own image not realizing it at the time, and computers' lowest level programmable system is a, a binary code, what would the binary code for a human be? Now, I can spend a lot of time, and I don't want to take too much time on this, but the essence is people always move towards a feeling of being loved. That is, we take action to a feeling of being loved or lovable and move away from the fear of loss of love. And if you look at what Christianity is really about, it is about finding your way to your own sense of unconditional love simply because you are loved by God. And that's the essence. That's the structure of the Bible. Fear not and feel loved. And from there, we can take actions that bring us a different lifestyle. And everything else is a myth. Hmm. That's, that's a great – that's a deep thought. <laughs> and that's so true because we all are searching for meaning. We're searching to be loved. And there, and too many times, especially like the media and stuff, plays on our – uh, the sense of fear, and yes. so that is that is so that prevails everywhere around us that that emotion of fear rather than the emotion of love, and we're looking for, especially like you know what what we see going on currently and even in our world. There's so much fear. There's so much. Your people are looking for hope, and they're yes. looking for the light. And so it is. In one hand, it's a great opportunity for us as believers to go. Here's a different message. Here's a different story. So when we do, take in your strategies um, that you have successfully used in business, applying them to faith, because it really is about not just communicating to people, but connecting with them and bringing them in to see something beyond and something so personal so that it totally benefits them. What are some of the tips and strategies that you see in this to really, so people do see a different story and they embrace it? So I'm going to – that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. I'm going to move really fast because we only have a few minutes left, and I'm going to just share with you that I wrote a sales process called the Solomon Sales System, indicating it was meant to be smart. Whether I achieve that or not is up to somebody else. But if Solomon tweets. You know, if Solomon wrote – King Solomon wrote Proverbs, then Solomon had to tweet. And here's three top tweets for sales that Solomon says. Number one, Solomon says all of sales is a return on investment equation. 
The sale happens when the buyer's perception of return or what's in it for me is greater than the investment or the risk that they have to take. The second one would be because sales are based on relationships. If you want something, somebody else has it. The second one is Solomon says every relationship in the world is dependent on trust, credibility, and interest. That means interest means they have to want it. And the last one, probably the the top one is that motivation, Solomon says, motivation to action lives in the gap between what we have and what we want. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Why don't you explain those a little bit? How, how did you come up with those three and ex, ex, expand on those a little bit? So I was looking for a way to make it as simple as possible to explain this. And I can do that in a three-minute, I can explain all of sales in a three-minute sales drill. All of sales is a return on investment equation means that we make a decision to buy something when what's in it for us matters more to us than what we have to invest or take risk. That is, when we spend $10 on something, we're risking that that the $10 will give us the value we're looking for, right? So return on investment simply means I believe uh, that I will get what I'm expecting and I'm willing to risk 10 bucks to get it. In this case, I'm willing to believe that I will get the unconditional love I'm aching for and all I have to do is invest some faith and belief. In the, the second one, every relationship in the world is dependent on trust, credibility, and interest. It's like a three-legged stool. You cannot have a relationship with your dog, your house, your spouse, or anything or anyone if you don't trust them not to take advantage of you, if you don't believe they are credible to provide what you expect from the relationship, or if you don't want those things. And the the last one, motivation to action, lives in the gap between what we have and what we want, simply means that if I have something and it's not serving me, it's not building my interest, it isn't giving me the return I'm looking for, and I want something else, my hope is that whatever it is that that I want that will give me the return I'm looking for, when the gap between the two is great enough, I will take action to have it or I'll make a choice to buy it. Or in our case, I will make a choice to go from anger and unhappiness or joylessness to unconditional love because that's what I really want. Okay. Yes. That I I love that. And I'm over here just typing away, Michael. Um, Let's break it down into a a real scenario. So let's just say um, a while ago, my husband and I went out with a, a neighbor and as we were sitting there at dinner he brought up um, just some activities that he wants his kids to, you know, go to. And I said, our youth group would be a great place for your kids to get involved. You, you know, you should come and try it sometime. And I love it when God leads you in just those casual conversations where it, it's natural to, you know, bring it up and invite them to church where it's not awkward. And he said, you know, I I would love to do that. But once you start attending regularly, they're just all they're going to do is ask me for my money. Right. Yeah. different people's perspective, it, it changes sometimes what you think is just a really simple invite and all of a sudden you're, you're having to come up with an answer to their questions. So how would you use these, these three tips here um, to answer that? When somebody expresses any kind of resistance, really what they're saying is, I don't trust this environment not to take advantage of me. I don't find it credible to be the solution that I'm looking for, or I don't want those things. So we don't have sufficient trust. We don't have credibility, or we don't have enough interest for them to make the choice. And instead of going heads up against them, the real, the right answer is to use a, a 
mechanism I call empathize, validate, pivot, which simply means I understand. I'm empathizing. I understand. And lots of people have felt the same way. Here's what we found. Every time you drive by a church on a Sunday morning and you see the parking lot filled, you see hundreds of people who may have felt the same way. And what we've discovered is this, two things. Number one, the church requires an operating budget to work with. And and, and so we have to ask for money because we don't sell anything. And, And the second thing is, if you take a deeper look at the church, you will discover that once our needs are met, we give the rest of it away, either through our missions program or through church planting or other things. And so we don't really, I know that it looks like we want your money, but what would happen if you giving us your money was for you to find that money wasn't your real happiness, but that giving it away was, and that when we ask for it, all we're trying to do is support your greater happiness. What would happen if you had that perspective? Mm. That's it, good. It, is, it is all how you frame it and reframe it. The question, yes. and, and like you said, it's empathizing with them where it's like, I hear you. I hear your concerns. I understand that. Here's reality. And kind of walking them through because people do have this misperception that they've, you know, adopted or somebody's, you know, spoken into them that they just hold on to because they're looking for something. So many times people are looking for something to justify their feelings that I don't want to go to church. And it's not really church. It's Because it, as, as you find in talking to people, people are attracted to Jesus. It's just they don't like church so much because a lot of times they've been wounded by the church in the past. And so they yes. still hold on to that. So, so much of it is, and I, I like this term selling faith, and it sounds so corporate on one hand, but it really is what we're all about, is, is how do we create you know, Jesus in an irresistible way where they really see who Jesus is. And it is really about guiding them to the heart of Jesus. So they see who Jesus is and not get caught up in all this other stuff. So we only have less than two minutes. Again, thank you so much, Michael, for joining our show and to sell and, you know, sharing this information and challenge us even in our thinking and rethinking and, and our approach even to church and, and having conversations with people and asking questions. How can our listeners find you and find more about what you're doing in selling faith? So I am on the web at revenuekinetics.com. Most everything I do will be up there somewhere, somehow. Uh, or I'm, I would love it if people wanted to connect with me on LinkedIn or through Twitter uh, at Goodman Sales or uh, on Facebook. I have a lot of room left in my Facebook friends, and I'm, I'm happy to accept all of them. Would um, Both LinkedIn and Facebook would be under Michael D. Goodman. I'm easy to find and, and uh, happy to share what I'm doing with anybody who asks. Well, we have that also on our website, Michael, so people can go to our, uh, on our, our website and they can click right into you. Again, we just so appreciate you coming and joining our show and just sharing your story, which was so intriguing and very personal because we all have a story and we all started from one spot and it's all about leading and leading people to the heart of Jesus and, and what, and it's very different for each person. It's very personal and, and learning how to tap in and what each person needs and, and what they need to hear. So thank you again. Um, and listening to the voice of God in your own life that we can all benefit from. Like you said, sitting that one day in Durango. Well, we're going to take a quick break. 
And when we return, we'll be joined by our next guest, Carrie Thomas, who's with a, a dynamic ministry called Bloom, who really um, empowers and encourages women who find themselves as church planting spouses, and which is a challenging um, role in many aspects. And, you know, so, so much of what we just talked about really does apply in, in ministry and, and in just in life and even as a church planting wife. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Welcome to The Quip with Miriam Nicole Huffman, a modern woman's guide to styling her faith, family, and finances. The online radio show dedicated to today's positive, purpose-driven woman who's ready to heal her heart, her head, and her household by realigning with what she values most. If your highest values are faith, family, finances, and freedom, you're in the right place. Host Miriam Nicole Huffman is a woman on a mission. Her mess to success journey has taken her from life as an upper-middle-class stay-at-home mom to a broke single mom to living a life of joy and wholeness as she builds a thriving business while raising her healthy, happy family. Every week on The Quip, Miriam Nicole shares her love, life, legal, and lifestyle success secrets. Whether it's wisdom you're seeking, inspiration and motivation from someone who's hit rock bottom and risen to success, or you want to know how to fully align your faith, family, and finances to create more freedom for yourself, you're an Excellent hands with Miriam Nicole. Check out past shows by clicking on the podcast player to the right or check our recent guests in the blog below. Got a question for Miriam Nicole? Want to be a guest on her show? Email us at thequip at miriamnicolehuffman.com and join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Thanks for joining our show today. We've been talking about the, the topic of selling faith and how do we make Jesus irresistible. Well, joining us now is our next guest, 
who is from our ministry partner called Bloom. And Bloom is a dynamic group of girlfriends that we just so enjoy doing life and ministry with, who happen to all share the life experience of being church planting pastor's wives. And Bloom is also a part of a larger ministry called Stadia, which is a church planting ministry helping to launch churches literally globally. And Bloom is so significant as it is provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planter spouses so they can provide the same for their family, staff, and churches. And today we want to welcome as our special guest to our show, Carrie Thomas from Bloom. Welcome, Carrie, to our show. Hello, thank you. Glad to be here. Well, Carrie, you lead worship, and um, you're also the creative director for Restore Church in Silver Spring, Maryland, just a few blocks from Washington, D.C. You're also the mom of three energetic boys who help you maintain um, just that endurance required for church planting, I'm sure. Uh, but I love you. You mentioned that you enjoy being the cheerleader to your husband, Aaron, and um, but also to all the things that the Lord calls you to lead. And uh, we want to hear everything about what it's like to have to encourage um, all those around you as you are a part of the church planning and just what's going on with that adventurous heart of how you can um, just stay motivated and just be inspired as you're out there selling Jesus. But I love you and Lisa are definitely heart partners because you mentioned that you love um, taking photos of every sentimental moment along the way. So, <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> well, that is I Lisa. You know, I love sentimental things. I hold on to things, pictures, words, text, whatever. So you, we, we, have, we have that sentimental thing going. Well, Carrie, I also, I recently read a little bit about your story in the book um, Bloom, Where You Are Planted, Volume 2, which was written by our good friend, Anne Malam. And it was, I loved reading all those stories in the book. Anne has put together in this book some amazing stories to really inspire and encourage women who are in the trenches, like all of us um, here in this conversation, um, about just doing ministry and church planning. And as we all know, stories are powerful, and they really are a great way to connect with each other. And the stories that Anne has put together in this book, they what I really appreciate about it is, is they're real. You guys have shared the real and the authentic, and by sharing your stories, you have really communicated to other people that, hey, me too. I get it. I understand that empathy. Um, as I remember in reading a little bit about your story, your husband had to kind of practice the art of selling a different vision to you because it, it sounded like you guys kind of were on this track of this is how we're going to kind of approach ministry, how we're going to kind of approach the church planning. And then I don't know if it was the 11th hour or whatever, he kind of said, you know, I kind of think this strategy might work where you're already kind of in one frame of mind. So it sounded like there was a paradigm shift for you and he had to kind of, kind of, uh, sell you on a new idea. Um, can you just kind of share what that looked like and, and the, and what made the difference for you that allowed you to embrace a, a new paradigm, a new methodology? Uh, it, it took a lot. I'm, I'm a stubborn person. And so it, it took a lot, I think, um, for me to really open my heart to what he was saying. But, you know, Aaron and I had been, in Arizona, um, in Colorado previous to that, in two different ministries, and, and really incredible experiences, um, especially in Arizona. We were there for a little longer at a church 
um, just excuse me, just west of Phoenix, and it really kind of opened our eyes to um, you know to to seeing people through Jesus's eyes, and it was really incredible experience. And but definitely, both of the ministries were similar as far as their approach to people, um, and even in just the, even in the programming, and so. You know, a lot of what I learned from those ministries kind of painted a picture for me of, of what I probably should plan to create as we came to plant a church in, in D.C. Um, however, you know, the culture here is vastly different um, than it is out there. And it's still, you know, it's, it's, it's still um, people who need Jesus all the same, but it's very different. And, and that was pretty obvious when we moved out here. We're from the Midwest. We're from Indiana. Um, and so coming out to the East Coast and especially a place like D.C., learning about the people here um, and just how very different they are, it, that kind of is what helped me open up to what he wanted to do is recognizing that Jesus was calling us uh, to reach the people here um, in a different way than what we had learned. And so that really opened me up to it. And even, you know, my husband really challenged me just to be in prayer for this and to read some books with him. And, you know, that's hard for me. Change is hard for me. I, when I have a plan in my mind, I, I, I plan to execute it. And, and I'm, you know, pretty attached to that plan. It took, it took me a while to be open to a missional style of ministry. Um, but to be honest with you, some relationships that we experienced and, and changes that we saw um, pretty quickly um, really changed my heart and, and really helped me to see what he was saying and the vision that the Lord had clearly laid on his heart. Well, it's interesting you say, I, I am stubborn. I think we all are stubborn in, in kind of in our ways when we have kind of like a plan or a path that we have kind of laid out and kind of we've mentally prepared for. And then when somebody kind of crosses that path and wants to take us down a different path, it is really hard to let go of our own expectations mm -hmm. and our own ideas of how we think sh things should be. And like you said, enter the picture when you're, you know, you're in a new location. It's a totally different culture, like you said. So there's a lot of adapting and a lot of transitioning. How do, how do you allow yourself to go into that and not try to hold on to the old? Because that's, I think, no matter what you're doing in life, whether it's ministry or it, it doesn't matter. It, we all come to that point where we have to let go of some ways to embrace something new to really take us to a point of our dreams. So what does that look like? What does that look like? And how would you um, offer some encouragement of that letting go? Well, no, I, I have to interrupt you on that, Lisa, just to add on to the, that question. Because as you were talking about this, Carrie, I know so many times I've had girlfriends where their husbands have come to them and they really feel that, okay, God has let it, you know, laid it on my heart that we need to do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, well, th that's not what he's telling me. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's kind of like when that, that guy, you know, in high school came to you and, and was like, you know, God's telling me that we need to go out. And it's like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> he's not talking to me. <laughs> so just to add to that, like, you know, we all want that writing on the wall um, yeah. just to even Give us a little bit more meat to that. And then, yeah, how do you encourage others that are, are going through that, that same dilemma? Man, I think that's such a great question because um, I think it's something I, we come to so many times in life is being kind of open to new things and different things. Um, you know, and, I'll, and let me just answer that in two different ways. So, you know, speaking to the situation with my husband, um, we are really blessed to have the experiences in ministry before coming to D.C. that really 
helped us learn how to be in ministry together. And it was hard. We're two very, uh, we're both stubborn people. We're both um, sort of strong, I guess, leaders, I would say. And so coming together uh, to do this ministry together, um, we really had to learn a lot as far as working together. But I'm married to somebody who one, definitely trusted that what the Lord had laid out of his heart was was clearly from God. And I think it made him more patient as well, because I think he just trusted it. And and so he was patient with me and he didn't try to coerce me. You know, he wasn't trying to, I wouldn't even say convince me. I think he was just encouraging me to pray with him and to really just consider it and think about it and, and, and sort of like look at it together, um, that concept. And then the other part of that, um, for me personally, um, this really opened my eyes to allowing the Lord to continue to lead me. You know, I've been a Christian most of my life, um, but but Jesus truly leading me is still somewhat new to me. You know, I, I've always felt him in my heart and I always try to please him, but really being open to his leading is something I've had to really learn um, to kind of let down my control um, and to really seek him on a regular basis where I'm asking uh, for him to, to make something clear to me or to lead me or to, you know, provide a person of peace that, you know, it's even different things that um, he would just make himself known to me. And that really was big for me because, you know, like I said, part of me having a difficult time embracing this new idea was that I was insecure. You know, all, all I knew in ministry was what he really had done. And so him telling me, hey, we're going to do something totally different in this completely new culture with very educated people, um, and then we have to try to lead them. You know, there's a part of me that felt like I am not going to be able to lead them into something that I don't know how to do, you know, and it really um, was eye-opening and and heart-opening for me to just have to seek the Lord, to just ask Him for His guidance and to recognize, you know, I can do all things through his strength, you know, through his leading. And so that's really helped me. And it's certainly, I'm not a, I have to constantly work on that. You know, we're, we're human. I'm, I'm a, a woman with strong opinions and, and I like having control. I like having a plan. And so it's an everyday um, thing for me to truly seek him and, and seek him to open my heart to his leading and recognize that he's leading it uh, and that I'm not. And that is a hard point to come to is, is, is kind of that surrendering and submitting and letting, you know, God. And, and, you know, even when you trust, you know, it's one thing to say, I trust God. But then when you have to put that trust in action, that is a whole different, you know, scenario. <laughs> and, totally. and, and one we're not, we're not so eager to embrace. We're, we're very verbal, but we're not really action oriented with our faith. And so it is, it is that, you know, kind of that tension that creates there. It's like, really, how big is, do I really believe God is? And how much do I really believe he really is control? And once we have to really um, embrace that to be able to sell that to other people as we're trying to, you know, join God and, and reaching people for the Lord. And so it, there's so many in, involved in there. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break, Carrie. And in your book, in the book that Anne wrote, Bloom Where You're Planted, you say, we pray that we'll continue to keep our minds and hearts open to God's leading, willing to do whatever he t- it takes and to go wherever he calls. Such a great thought. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
This is Girlfriend on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show. On Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back with Carrie Thomas. And like we mentioned before, Carrie leads worship and is the creative director for Restore Church in Silver Spring, Maryland. And Carrie, you just love your heart and how you're just sharing uh, what you've had to go through in making these changes. And um, as we go back to the topic of selling Jesus, uh, Lisa and I actually uh, we were we were thinking of seven tips of how you can sell Jesus, and uh, quite comical because you know seven we're so spiritual, so we couldn't come <laughs> up with ten actually. Uh, but going back to you know just the first one in in wanting to sell your faith, we have a tendency um, to go to church every day. We get involved in the activities. We might lead a, a ministry or. Um, some other organization where we can, um, you know, really put the the framework together on how we can go out there and go into our community. But how often are we as an individual really having those conversations? You know, at the, at the grocery store, not that you can walk up to someone and, you know, give them a track and say, you need <laughs> Jesus. But um, what would be some of your tips or just like a, a, a simple way of doing this, of, of selling your faith to someone? Oh, that's a good question. You know, the, the way we kind of look, look at things through our ministry, we call ourselves a, a missional ministry, which to be honest, I, I struggle with that word because to me it's just ministry, it's just church. So just another way of doing it. But we really embrace the persons of peace idea um, and, and living incarnationally in our community um, and so something that I think we, tr- we try to do, um, even just as a family, is we really try to spend time with our neighbors. A- and, you know, our, our neighborhood is a really interesting place. We have a lot of people with a lot of power um, and connections, uh, you know, that work for the government. And so we have a lot of very educated people. But I don't know a single Christian um, around me in my neighborhood. And all of them are proudly agnostic or atheist. Um, and so, and you know, of course, when they, when they met us, certainly they were a little bit, you know, turned off at the idea that we were in ministry. Um, but we tried to just spend time with them and, and have normal relationships with them. You know, we, we go to their house and we ask them if we can borrow sugar. Um, we do things, I think, that try to build relationships with them. And it's interesting, you know, we pray before we have time with them. And it's interesting when things just come up 
uh, sort of naturally. Now, you know, a lot of people on our street want to have intellectual conversations about religion. Um, and, and that's something my husband embraces more than I do. Um, but it's, but it's a gift to be honest with you, because we get to really clarify some things that are very muddled to them. You know, their perspectives are, you know, like you were saying earlier in your show, you know, they come from hurtful situations. A lot of time they come from past and in churches that maybe they had some painful experiences or they come from a place where they just feel like they're too smart for Jesus. (laughs) And so we get to have these conversations with them and really just kind of pray for God to just provide those moments of questioning where they ask us things and we get to be honest with them. And they also, this is huge for us. Um, we do a lot of things in our ministry that where we try to connect with our community, we try to serve our community, um, but we open it up to our neighborhood. So things like, you know, at, at Christmas time, we collected some shoe boxes and filled them up with toothbrushes and socks and deodorant, things like that that we gave to our, our homeless shelter nearby um, to give out to, our, to the homeless community. And, and our neighborhood loved that. You know, we invited them to be part of that. We didn't paint it as this special, this is just for Restore Church. We made it a, hey, we're trying to serve our community. Do you want to love our community with us? And they loved that. And that was such an open door for us to have good conversations. So we just try to find different ways um, to connect with people. And for me personally, you know, some of the moms of kids at my, uh, at my son's school, I just try to have conversations where I just want to, help them to feel like I'm just like them. You know, I'm, I, I love a lot of things that they love and, and I try to spend time with them. You know, I have, we have girls nights, um, once a month, every Thursday night, we're a group of girls from my church. We invite some of our friends and we just hang out. There's, we, we, we talk about God if it comes up, but it's not a Bible study. It's really just hanging out. And it's really another place that's opened up for tons of great conversations. We've had, a girl come there recently, um, and I, you know, she's become a friend, and then she was baptized, and it's just really cool to see that happen. It doesn't happen with everybody, um, but once again, it's it's all about the Lord just leading us to to persons of peace is the concept, you know, from Luke ten that we really embrace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Carrie, I, I love that where you're just it's just doing life, and so many times, um, you know, just like we we came up with these seven tips. Um, we, it is good to have a plan in place and, and definitely, um, you do want to strategize, uh, just to be intentional and mm-hmm. also even to have someone else to, to help you to have those conversations and be accountable, but just being there for them and, and being, you know, Jesus with skin on and having these conversations mm-hmm. is exactly what you're doing because so many times, like you said, there's, hurt that might be there from the past or they've been wounded from the church. So they're looking at you like you just must be another one of those hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Like what, what you're doing right now, I'm sure I can't trust you later on down the road. And um, I, I, that's one of the things as you're talking with so many people, when, when you do come in in a different fashion than just having that relationship, they seem to have that feeling like I'm just your project. Right. Another one that you need to, if I don't accept your faith, you're going to move on to the next person. Mm -hmm. So have you had any of those kinds of, you know, just that conflict where you felt like someone's looking at you going, I, I don't want what you're having. And I know I'm just one of your projects. Oh, absolutely. Our entire street. (laughs) But, um, I, and I would say that at first, but I think it's one of those things that we, we tried really hard to remove every barrier that we could, 
you know, we have them over for dinner, we'll have a glass of wine with them, which, you know, and we're, it, we're fine not having wine, but it's something that helped them to feel connected to us and to feel, oh, you're, you're kind of like me in that sense. So absolutely, I feel like most relationships that we've had start here in D.C. have kind of been like that, you know, and that's hard for me. I'm the kind of person that I, I warm to people quickly. I love making friends. I love connecting with people. And so to feel like instantly when somebody knows a little bit about me and the fact that I'm a Christian, they're turned off by that. Oh, that's hard and it stings. Mm. But I kind of have to let down my pride and, mm. and humble myself and recognize that that relationship isn't about me. Um, and, and to sort of, it helps me relax. And, and I think when they see me relaxed and not so performed or I don't have every perfect phrase, you know, um, ready for them, I think that helps them to relax a little bit. Um, you know, the, I think just to having, being a normal person and being relaxed and not having something prepared helps it, that helps my neighbors specifically, um, to just see me and feel comfortable and trust me, but it doesn't always work. You know, I have definitely had relationships where I think people felt like my, my, well, I specific, one specifically I could think of where somebody felt like my project and man, I really prayed for this person really hard and really tried really hard to just connect with them. And it just didn't matter what I did. They were just turned off and I kind of had to go, you know what? I can't be her Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, uh, I'm not Jesus. I'm just trying to do what he tells me to do. And I have to not take it personally that she's turning me away instead to go, okay, you know, I'm going to pray and I'm still going to be warm and loving to this person. And if they, if they're not getting it from me, I just have to trust Jesus with that. And, and that's hard for me. I don't like to let go. And, and it felt like it, it felt like I was being kind of broken up with in a sense, you know, but it's just part of it, I think is, is being okay with some of those relationships that might not go well and recognizing that you just doing your best and be good to them and just let Jesus take control after that. Well, none of us like rejection, you know, and to be put in that spot where they're going to reject, but that's part of it. That's part of the story. And for, you know, so no matter what you're selling, because you hear this from salespeople all the time, it's how many rejections you get before you get that. Yes. And when we're even sharing our faith, it's, it's, you know, you, it, you don't stop because of that. And there are so many victories. And that's why we have to encourage each other along the way and share those victory stories. We just have just a couple of minutes before we have to end this show. And again, we want to thank you so much just for coming and just sharing your heart, your journey, and just encouraging others through your story. But if, if somebody's in there listening and going, okay, how do I start? Because there really is not a cookie cutter approach. And like mm-hmm. you said, your culture is very different than our culture. And wherever we are, it's, the dynamics are different. And what works in one place doesn't necessarily work in another. How would you just encourage somebody to just start? Um, you know, I think, I think it always starts with just some personal opening up your heart to God. I think it it has to start with just being open and letting down your own personal barriers and saying, God, I'm going to go where you tell me to go and I'm going to be who you want me to be. Just lead me to what that is. And I think that's a hard, it's a hard thing to do to open ourselves up to that. So I think that's where we start is just even in your house, you know, pull out your Bible or, or, you know, turn on a song that really helps you to sort of connect and, and open up and relax and let all the distractions go away and just listen, just listen to God's leading. And I think you'll be surprised 
um, at what he'll reveal to you. I think even just thinking about the people that he's placed in your life. Think about somebody you know that needs Jesus and pray for them and say, God, listen, that relationship, I see that that person needs Jesus and maybe you've put them in my life because you need me to help them to connect with you. And so, God, I just ask you just to help me um, recognize how I can do that with this person. I pray that that person would be open to me and I pray that you would help me just to um, represent you well and, and to give me an opportunity to, to connect with that person. So I think it really starts with, with you listening, you know, and really seeking the Lord and really asking specifically, okay, God, these people in my life, what do you want me to do? And just wait and see and see what he says and see how he leads you. And and I think you'd be surprised at what he'll put at your front door, you know, right at your feet. Absolutely. We always want to try to make it happen. Yeah. Instead of allowing God to, because, you know, maybe he does know better. (laughs) And, and, you know, and we don't know that he's working on somebody's heart and they're just so ready for somebody to step in. And we have no idea. And he's preparing somebody's heart for us to step in. And when we don't allow, you know, don't bring God in and say, where do you want me to go? Um, we, you know, we, we, we do face more disappointments because we're trying to do it on our own and not really letting him work and prepare the ground and go around us in all sorts of different ways. Well, we just so appreciate you sitting here being our girlfriend today and just taking the time to share your, your journey, your story. And, um, and it's exciting what's going on, even in DC all over. I mean, God is still moving and you can watch the news and you can be so discouraged mm-hmm. and in a hole. And, but also at the same time, you can look at it and flip it and go, what a great opportunity for hope and light and a message. People are ready for something more. Mm-hmm. And how do we truly take that and, and um, really use that to go forward and, and to be the voice of hope? And um, I like this saying, as a guy named Paul Little talked about witnessing, which is basically sharing your faith And he says, witnessing is that deep-seated conviction that the greatest favor I can do for others is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been talking about today is really selling our faith. And what does it look like to truly make Jesus irresistible to those out there that are, that are craving just, you know, authentic love and unconditional love? And we have a great opportunity to just be that voice and to be the, you know, Jesus with skin onto them. So again, Carrie Thomas, thank you for joining us. Um, and just reminding us again that our approach matters. So thanks for joining our show. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the